0: This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, torg I'm sitting here in a Cowboy Bebop t-shirt about to talk to you about Moon Night, So I'm feeling pretty good, okay? Plus, I want to tell y'all about a movie I saw because I want you to go see it too because I can't decide if it or the Batman were my favorite movie of the year. I don't know. I need y'all to weigh in. I need y'all to tell me because I know some of y'all have seen this movie, okay? It's your new bonus episode of Reality and Comics 2. Let's do it. Oh, 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 what's up, everybody? Whoo! man, oh, man. Episode three, Moon Knight is just getting crazier and crazier. I'm excited for the second half of this series. Before we jump into Moon Knight, though, I want to tell y'all about a movie that I saw. I've been hearing about it for like the past maybe month and a half. People have been, you know, some of the insiders. I'll be one one day. I promise you, I'm going to be able to see those movies early. I promise. Okay. Some of the insiders that I trust, like really, because I don't, I'm not big on, you know, y'all know I'm not big on reading uh, what critics have to say about any movie, any TV show, nothing. I like to experience it myself. I like to judge myself. I don't like to go in with any preconceived notions. And this movie, it's called Everywhere, no, Everything Everywhere All at Once, People that I trust genuinely have been talking about it for a while. They've been calling it their favorite of the year, which I was like, "What? You comic book people? Your favorite thing isn't the Batman. Your favorite thing isn't... uh, Child, what else came? I don't know. But uh, you know, I was just I was shocked. I was shocked that they were saying something else. And so I'm like, okay, then I guess you know, whenever it comes to Memphis, because it didn't open up at the same time everywhere. In all theaters, you know it was limited release, and then it finally got released everywhere. So, I bought a ticket. I remembered that it came out this past weekend. I was actually gonna go see *Ambulance* because I heard that's pretty good too from the same people, and I was like, yeah, maybe I'll check that out too. Plus, the trailer for that was amazing, so I actually really want to see that. Plus, I like to support Yaya. Okay, when ooh, I was about to make an X-rated joke, but I'm not gonna do that. This is a <laughs> this is a Marvel episode. Let me let me try to keep it above board, even though these episodes always descend into x-rated anyway so i was looking for that but then i saw that it was out there so i was like okay shit okay so i'm gonna go see that instead i went to a different theater you know i have my theater that i like i like to see stuff in imax but i knew it was gonna be an imax so i like to go to that theater they got the big comfy chairs and stuff but then i remember this one that had it playing it was only playing in two theaters here one of the ones that had it playing had those huge chairs that, like, reclined all the way back. You can, you listen, I go in them motherfuckers with my blankets. I be having slippers on. You know, I, I, I go in real wrong, but I have a good time, okay? That movie is nothing short of amazing. And it's not even like, you know, people spend so much CGI in and everything. It's just, it's funny. It's... As out there as it is, it's still super, super grounded in everyday real life issues. It's so good. Plus, I feel like it's a good precursor to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Is it a Marvel movie? No. But does it deal with the multiverse? It does. And it does so in the most hilarious way possible. Plus, it stars one of Marvel's own, Michelle Yao, who is... What else was she in? She was in Shang-Chi, of course. But she was also, she's known for like Crazy Rich Asian, but her resume is long, okay? Long. Plus, one of the kids from the Goonies, I always forget his name, but he started back acting because of the success of Crazy Rich Asian. So I'm sure when he found out Michelle Yao was attached to this project, he was like all on board. He was all in. He was ready to do the damn thing. I'm glad they did it. The movie's amazing. It also stars, oh, I can't think of her name. I think it's Karen on the show. But marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Joel's new girlfriend on the like the most recent series, the recent season, his girlfriend is in there too. She plays the daughter. It's just such a good it, 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 I mean great casting, great story, great like everything. Makes you laugh all the way throughout. Such a good movie. I genuinely can't decide what's my favorite of the year. Batman is going to be out on HBO Max on what the 18th. This episode is coming out on the 14th, so 15th, 16th, 17th, yeah, 18th. So I'm going to watch that again, of course. That'll be my third viewing of the Batman, I think. And I love, love, love that movie. I think it's, it's safe to say that's my favorite Batman movie, I think. So, oh, boy. I'll, I'll watch that again, and then I'll be able to definitively tell y'all, when I talk about episode four of Moon Knight, which one is my favorite of the year, Right now, I think I'm leaning towards everything everywhere all at once simply because we've seen Batman movies so many times. Like We've seen them so many times. We've just seen them over and over again. New actor. Warner Brothers is a one-trick pony. When they don't know what the hell they want to do, they just reboot the Batman. Up. Oh, all of these other DC projects failed this year. Reboot the Batman. Up. Oh, what's that? We got controversy. Ezra out there punching the hell out of everybody reboot the Batman like that's their solution to everything so while this was an amazing movie it's just like damn Warner Brothers y'all ain't gonna do shit new are you like nothing y'all ain't gonna do nothing new oh well go see that movie it's called everything everywhere all at once I'm sure it's playing somewhere near you go check it out now let's get in to Moon Knight episode 3 Layla opens up the episode getting a fake passport made which you guessed it means that she knows markets in Cairo and sis said look you ain't about to be the only one about to get a little quick vacay, okay? The conversation between her and the woman who I'm guessing is her mother, based on her conversation about her father and uh, she called her love, etc., etc. So obviously, she was raised to be a criminal since this woman forging passports <laughs> gives insight into what Mark and Layla did for a long time. They were basically stealing valuable items from the black market, which we kind of knew. I mean, mercenary and then in the last episode, two police that arrested them or fake arrested them kind of talked about what they did to those people at that dig site. After the opening credits roll, we see Arthur Harrow and his crew following that little scarab compass to Emmett's tomb. The compass suddenly points downward because it was, you know, it was just floating at first, pointing them in the right direction like any old good compass would. But it starts to point downward, meaning they're about to start digging to find her. During this whole excitement, someone informs him that Mark is in Cairo also. This is when we cut over to Mark, who is chasing some people through the city on top of rooftops, you know, the buildings. He gets to the building and sees three killers, I guess, for lack of a better word killing the man that Mark wanted to question. So now, Mark has to fight all three at once, and he's whooping ass, okay? I like that this fight is pretty realistic, because Mark handing out licks, but he's also taking licks too. Just as, like, Mark is about to cut this guy's throat, though, he sees Steven in reflection of the glass, who is, like, pleading with him to spare the man's life. That's when that eye rolling, the convulsing, the switching of personality begins. You know that. You know whenever he starts convulsed that indicates that he's about to do a personality switch or identity switch. I guess is more accurate. Now here is where I must diverge from the story a little bit. We immediately see Mark in the back of a cab, implying that he got away safely. This also implies that he whooped more ass on that rooftop and maybe killed a thug or two. I don't know. We don't know that yet. We know if he let Steven take over, that he would have gotten himself killed and definitely wouldn't have killed somebody. So if it wasn't Mark and it wasn't Steven, who was it? Well, this new location, I feel, tells us everything that we need to know, if you're a reader of the comics especially. He's in the back of the cab heading to the airport and the driver seems to know him. The cab driver knows him, important. Obviously, his other known identity from the comics has taken over in this moment. That other personality or identity is Jake Lockley, the cab driver who definitely ain't afraid to get his hands dirty. So it would make sense that the cab driver knows him since we know from, you know, just popular media in general that cab drivers tend to know other cab drivers in the city and why he's confused about the way that Mark is talking and acting. He was talking Arabic for some odd reason. Mark sees two of the three thugs, from the roof, now ground level, and says, let me talk to you. They freak out. They say, man, just let us go, and they run off. Mark chases and didn't bother paying that man his money that was driving him around. See, I'd put a low jack on Mark's ass because give me me, okay? Give me me, okay? Give me mine. Gas too damn high to be playing with y'all. He chases him around the city and catches up to one of them and confronts him and punches him while asking him, where's Harrow? Where's Harrow? Where's Harrow?" Which is Ethan Hawke's character in case you forgot. That man said, I oh, don't know, shit. <laughs> Suddenly, Mark gets hit in the back of the head while he's distracted by Steve's ass, then hits the ground and he switches personalities. When we rejoin him, he's Mark again and has killed one of them and knocked the other one out. So obviously Jake Lockley took over once again in this situation. So it appears that of the three, Jake is the most violent. Mark is the most, I guess, level-headed, eyes on the prize and the mission. And then Steven is the pushover, uh, calm, normal guy. As the other one tries to get up and run away, Konshu makes his first appearance in the episode and he instructs Mark to get up and hang him over the cliff as a threat to get him to talk. Child, that person, let me tell you something. That person was, past tense, loyal as fuck to Ahmed because he said praise Ahmed and then cut that scarf and fell to his death, child. Khonshu basically said, damn, my fault, bro. (laughs) They usually talk. I don't know what happened. I mean, damn, I know you fucking lying, Khonshu. Mark turns around to the reflection and he accuses Steven of doing all of this. Steven's like, nah, quit lying on my body count. Cause I ain't did none of that. So obviously suspicions confirmed. It's a third or mm, I guess at this point, maybe a fifth identity that keeps up the mess. Cause at this point we've got Mark, we've got Steven, we've got moon Knight, we've got Mr. Knight and we've got, uh, Jake Lockley. I guess you can get either three or five. I don't know which one you'll count that. In comics, it would be five. But I guess here, two of them are turning into them. So, I mean, I guess three is okay too. It doesn't really matter. Look, we, we just know that we've gotten a third identity at this point, okay? Mark asks Khonshu, what about the other gods? Are they just going to sit back and let Ahmet, you know, be free all willy-nilly? Konshu basically said that if we talk to them, then we risk their wrath and I might end up turned into stone. Mark's like, don't threaten me with a good time, okay? That's when Khonshu lets viewers in on another aspect of the Moon Knight suit. He said, see how you do against Harrow without that healing armor, child. We see that little piece of costume does everything in this episode. It's bulletproof. It can hold the bullets and repel them back. It's healing. It flatters the figure. That little suit that Khonshu gave him does everything, Okay. Conchu tells Mark that he has a bad idea and he ends up going and sending a signal to the gods. He casts a shadow over the entire city by eclipsing the moon. Obviously, he's a moon god. Child, hero said, don't know ho, stop the show, okay? And he told them people to keep on digging. Darkness, sunshine, it don't matter. Keep on digging. You got them people out there digging in darkness like they grave robbing or something. Oh, you child, I guess technically they are. I don't know. Khonshu tells Mark to hurry up to, you know, the underground tomb or meeting place or what we later find out is the uh, the Great Pyramid of Giza because the gods are arriving with their avatars now. When Mark asks, aren't they all over the world? Khonshu says, yeah, but for a meeting of the Ennead, you know that, you know what Ennead is, a portal presents itself anywhere. See, remember, Stephen educated us about the Ennead in episode one, if you don't remember when he discussed how that poster that was in the gift shop, he was talking to his boss and he said it didn't have enough gods on it. That's kind of funny because this apparently wasn't a full meeting of the Ennead because Mark is the only one, like the only going to speak to a couple of different gods in this meeting. I think it was five total other than Kanshu. So it was way, the poster ended up having way more than we actually thought it did, but we'll get there. A door opens for Mark to walk through and Khonshu says the case against Harrow and it has got to be indisputable or he might end up banished again. <laughs> See, he keep threatening Mark with a good time. Mark like, shit, Then I ain't got to worry about your ass no more. Nah, d- 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 listen, don't threaten me, okay? As Mark goes into what we learn from Stephen is the inside of the Great Pyramid of Giza, Mark sees another door open and he's greeted by Yatzel, who is the music and love goddess uh I think it's Hathor, her avatar, based on their conversation, Yatsel and Kanshu used to be like good old buddy old pals, but you know Kanshu can't stand none of their asses now, I know that's right, Kanshu, y'all might fuck with me, but I don't fuck with y'all, okay, but what money bag say I don't like i don't like I don't like nobody, I know that's right anyway, she tells Mark not to fight the strange sensation and that he'll get used to it. That's when her eyes light up and Hathor starts speaking through her, basically taking attendance of the other gods. This part is basically them threatening Khonshu and Khonshu responding through Mark. He speaks in his voice. His eyes light up like uh, Yatsos did, all of that. And Khonshu is basically like standing ten toes down in the thought that he was the only god present who hadn't completely abandoned humanity. One thing I want to point out, though, is the similarities between these gods and the eternals and the celestials. See one of the gods speaking through the man in the suit he said that a long time ago we decided not to interfere in the affairs of man and to let our avatars observe their behavior yada yada yada. Remember the celestials they sent the eternals to earth, and their only objective only objective was to protect Earth from the deviants and they weren't to interfere with any other conflict. So you see, we're Marvel is really kind of carving out, they're taking the time to carve out the idea of gods, the idea of Avatars, the Eternals would have been uh Oh boy, Arisham. They would have been Arisham's avatar at this point. But so it looks like we're really kind of expanding things. We've already met gods in the MCU. Like they're not the first, you know, we know Thor, we know, you know, Loki, we know folks of that nature, you know, so we know gods, but we'll get to know a lot more in the future. It looks like besides them, hell, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three and uh, what is that? Thor, Love, and Thunder. Both of them are going to introduce us to more. So you never know. Maybe Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness give us even more with all these damn cameos that are being rumored. So we'll see. They tell Konshu through Mark, to speak his purpose. And he says that he wants judgment against Arthur Harrow for trying to release Ahmet from her tomb. Woo! Arthur Harrow comes through a portal and said, Y'all ain't finna have a trial against me without me. Okay? Arthur read Conshu and Mark down, down. He even mentioned that Mark is unwell and has multiple identities and that man don't even know who he is. Conshu, using Mark's body, tries to use like throw a punch at Harrow. But one of the gods uses his powers to stop him and said that we don't condone violence. Kind of like Bravo always does when a black house, you know what? Never mind. This ain't a reality TV episode, so I'm I'm, I'm not going to get into it, okay? I'll get on a high horse, and my ass won't stop. They demand to speak to Mark, and they ask him about his mental state. He says, yes, I'm unwell, and that, you know, he needs help, but it doesn't change the fact that Arthur is dangerous, and what he's doing will kill, like, millions of people. And they determined that he has committed no like offense at all and they conclude the trial just like that and they walk off i mean the gods give the avatars their bodies back and they begin leaving giza like nothing ever happened yet of course she stays behind though and tells mark that there's another way she says ahmed was buried in secret and that even the gods don't know because she didn't know who to trust at that time She says a man named Sinfu knows because he was the one that was tasked with recording the location in case the gods were, you know, they ever changed their mind. And they decided that they might want to show mercy on Ahmed one day. If he finds Sinfu's sarcophagus, you'll find the tomb. Now, child, let me tell y'all something. I was thinking about the esophagus and I was like, now, why would y'all make that man take out his esophagus and write down them damn coordinates? Like y'all didn't have pen and paper? Like, y'all might not have had pen and paper, but I know y'all at least had quill and scroll or something like that. But she said sarcophagus, which is basically like a coffin or a casket made out of stone and usually has like markings or writings all on it. She suggests that they go to the black market since the sarcophagus was stolen and it was supposedly sold there. Mark goes snooping and asking around the black market and he runs into, you guessed it, Layla. After some back and forth between them, she says that she'll help him. They end up getting on a boat. And this is when we find out that she's taking him to see Anton Mogart, who in the comics is Midnight Man. Dun, 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 dun. He was like this mixed martial artist who was known for he was known for theft. Basically, he was still like high class artwork, expensive jewels, all kind of stuff. But he would do it at midnight, which is how he earned the name. He actually like has a big run-in with Moon Knight in the comics that almost left him like drowned in a river somewhere, but he actually made it out alive, but he was severely disformed. And you know, if we know anything from uh from Batman comics, when you leave somebody disformed, they always default for revenge, okay? His character actually gets cancer, he challenges Moon Knight to a fight, he loses and he dies. All of that. This is all it's a bit weird to talk about. Especially since we know the actor that actually plays his part uh, passed away, I think, back in January. The guy that plays Midnight Man or Antar Mogart. He died in, like, a tragic skiing accident. So, that's why at the end of the episode, you saw that R.I.P. I I think Gabriel, oh, I can't remember his last name, but uh, R.I.P. to to him. Man, that sucks, because he could have had, like, such a great career ahead of him. Y'all know Marvel is, like, the king of breaking actors and getting them like to all of the next steps in life, all of the, all of the money, all of the everything. So RIP to him. Oh, it even sucks talking about the character's history just because it's so ugh, parallels. I got two side notes for you. The first one, not as serious, but the second one is a good little connection to know. So side note, they arrive outside of Anton's like lavish estate and they notice that they're possibly being followed by Harold's goons. But what's funny to me is that Layla tells him, OK, remember, your fake name is Rufino Estrada and you're my husband. For those of you who don't know, and I only know because I'm like obsessed with Oscar Isaac. His real name or full name, I should say, is Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada. So they put a little bit of the actor story story. Into this one, and, you know, I always kind of like (laughs) that, you know, I caught that a little bit. So just so y'all know, it's not just a a random made-up name. It actually has kind of a meaning to them. Now, another side note that's way more important. As they're greeted by the guard outside of Anton's estate, if you pay close attention, you hear the security guard say, "Uh, he's looking forward to seeing you. After Madripoor, I'm sure you two have a lot to talk about. Now, does that city name sound familiar to you? If you haven't watched uh, or rewatched, I should say, Falcon and the Winter Soldier in a long time, then probably not. But remember, that's where Zemo took Bucky and uh, Sam and they encountered Sharon Carter, a.k.a. who we found out at the end of the series was the power broker. So I'm wondering if this particular set of thieves has ties with Sharon and her newfound criminality. Now, Madripoor, you know, also has kind of a rich history in the comic books too. Madripoor has ties like Shang-Chi, Wolverine, the X-Men. So I'm sure it's highly likely that we haven't seen the last of Madripoor. Are you looking for a cheap way to support your favorite content creator? You know who I'm talking about, the content creator that you happen to be listening to now. Yes, guess what? I'm on buy me a coffee, or in my case, and buy me a beer, okay? Go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash reality comics two, the number two this time. Yeah, they said it was too long, yada yada yada, whatever. Listen I work hard to put out these two podcast episodes every single week to run the Instagram account, to do the polls, the stories, the uh, 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 everything else in between. Any support that you guys give me, I always appreciate. So if you're tired of uh, me constantly soliciting uh, ratings and reviews, then just buy me a coffee. I love you for it. Meet Anton, and he tells them about his collection and how special it is to him. He wants to know about Sinfu and why it interests them so much, but he doesn't want to hear it from Layla, who starts talking immediately. He wants to hear it from Mark because obviously he doesn't trust Mark, and he wants to see if they're on the same page or if they're lying to him. And obviously, if they met in Madripoor, you know him and Layla. Obviously, he know that she probably ain't on the up and up, so you know he got to he got to see what he can figure out. Layla, when they get inside, wants Mark to let Steven out to help her translate and see what they can actually do. She keeps the guards distracted and uh, Anton, too, while Mark converses with Steve. Steve tells him what to do. Child, he got him folding up pieces of the artifact and all kind of shit like them people ain't out there watching. And he gets interrupted by the guard. But Mark snatches that gun from him real quick. Layla said, ah, ah. And he had to give the gun back that made him get on his knees and all kind of shit. This is when Arthur Harrow pops up and Layla tells him not to trust Harrow. But Anton is like, girl, fuck you. I don't trust you either. Why the hell I got to trust you? But I can't trust that man walking on a cane. Like what kind of sense that make? This is when Harrow gives a monologue about Layla and her father, Mark and the secrets that he's keeping, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, because, you know, he knows all. It's also when he shows Anton all of the relics that he has, you know, including that walking stick or staff or cane, whatever you want to call it, that he used to like open up their portal last episode to bring out that evil monster jackal thingy. And he shows him the scarab, the compass. Khonshu reappears, of course, and tell him to, you know, he tells Mark summon the suit, but Mark is pretty hesitant at first. Meanwhile, Harrow has destroyed the like the sarcophagus using the magic of the staff, shocking everybody. He's like, why the fuck are you tearing up my shit? You uninvited guests tearing up shit. Then boom, Moon Knight is atop of the building and dives down to fuck some shit up. Layla says buy her some time and Moon Knight happily agrees. She runs and she grabs all the remains of the sarcophagus, all this stuff, not esophagus, sarcophagus. But the security guard sees her and they fight. Just like Moonside, all this while he's outside whooping ass the whole time, one by one. Suddenly, Steven starts asking for control because he hates seeing all of this violence. Surprisingly, Mark agreed, and we get an appearance from Mr. Knight again, who, you know, we identify, you know, he's the one that's dressed in the all-white suit. Not for long, though. Them people stabbed him one good time, and he, relinqu- he, re- he relinquished control right back to Mark and Moon Knight. I know that's right shit. Steve told them folk, time out, and got stabbed. Child, I'd give up control, too. You only got to stab me one good time before I said, fuck this shit, okay? Moon Knight is getting stabbed by the Lone Spears also, but remember, his Konshu armor is like healing and bulletproof and everything else, so... What's what's a little stab to a motherfucker like Mickey? Please remind me. I don't know. He stops Anton from stabbing Layla and throws one of his crescent moons that he has like in his chest, throws it and hits Anton. But we're actually left uncertain to like, you know, whether he's dead, if he's just severely injured, if he's hurt, like we don't know what his status is right now. Layla and Mark leave and she questions him about what Arthur said. And she said, you know, it's like she doesn't know him at all. And he said she doesn't. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> we found out that they're being followed once again by uh, some of Harold's disciples. They're out in the middle of the desert and they're trying to put together this map of the constellations. That was one of the things that was left in the sarcophagus. Uh, she knows what they need, Stephen. But Konshu is saying that he won't give the body back. Mark reluctantly agrees with Layla and he, you know, he tells Stephen to take over who puts the, the map together like super quickly, all while giving us a little history lesson on Egypt's, uh, you know, Egyptians, the stars, the suns, the constellations, everything, all that shit. They see the constellation, and she tries to use like modern technology to find it, but Steven has to remind her like, you know, stars and constellations over time, they end up moving, and Sinfu did all of this like 2,000 years ago, so they've moved significantly since then. So that's a bust until Khonshu reveals that he remembers that night and every other night. In fact, he reveals that he, (laughs) he came like, you know, that he can turn the, the night sky back, but that it'll come at a cost and he can't do it alone. He tells Stephen that, you know, when the gods imprison him, tell Mark to free me. Stephen turns into Mr. Knight once again. And Kanshu instructs him to do as he's, you know, as he's told, just follow his lead, do as he does, make the same gestures, all that kind of stuff. They do some movements with their hands and they turn back the stars to the night exactly like 2000 years ago when, what is it, Sinfu, when he, you know, did that drawing of the constellations or the coordinates rather to, you know, uh, dictate where Ahmed's tomb was. Uh, as he does this, the other gods' avatars, they're all, I don't know if they're back in Giza or where they are, but they're all back together. And they start to the process of imprisoning Khonshu in stone like they threatened to do earlier. Finally, Layla is able to pull the coordinates that they need. And Khonshu is now tethered to the inside of the Great Pyramid of Giza as stone, a miniature stone, okay? Arthur Harrow's messy ass is there and he talks to Khonshu and tells him that he's going to do what he could not do and reminds him that he'll owe his victory to Conshu, since, you know, he's based, shaped, molded and forged by Harrow. You know, he he did all of that to him. Remember, Harrow was Conshu's former avatar before Mark, so he was carrying out all of this vengeance, all of this stuff for Khonshu way before Mark was. So, I mean, I guess Arthur Harrow ain't lying. If he do succeed, hell, we ain't got nobody but Khonshu ass to blame. Woo! That episode was dense. Like, a lot happened in that episode. For it to be the same like length as last episode, that, that was a lot, okay? It was a lot, but I'm wondering how or where this season goes from here. I'm very curious... Now that Khonshu isn't the leading force behind Mark's actions, I'm excited to see where this goes. Y'all, I'll be here once again next week after episode four. If you haven't started watching it yet, but for some reason you listen to my Marvel episodes anyway, I love you. And please start, watch this show this weekend. Just binge all three episodes. If you need some comic recommendations, you know I'm always here for you, okay? Y'all, I've been Kendrick and I'll see you. That's at Reality Comics 2, T O O. This is Kendrick, and I'll see ya! Visit the Bedfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to bedfredsports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death